Here, Here we, we go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today we are gonna recap Song Yadong's UFC Fight Night main event win over Chris Gutierrez this past Saturday. And then it is here, the final pay-per-view and card of the year 2023 for the UFC, UFC 296. We're going to get you guys our picks and predictions, uh, headlined by the welterweight title bout between Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards. Almost you could say a return for both men, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, and Alexandre Pantoja putting his flyweight title on the line against Brandon Raw Dog, Roy Val. Also going to be picking for the entire main card on that one. So a lot to get to with UFC 296 and some of the storylines heading in. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 162 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are calling it, the number of games in an MLB regular season episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. But that is neither here nor there. We're just glad you're listening. I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tired. Like nothing on that? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No, I, we'll explain, I'll explain how I'm doing when we get into when we start recapping the fight. We'll, I like it. Yeah, we'll oh, get in there. I like it. Sounds yeah. like a rough night. I thought that was really funny, John, that people are calling this the MLB regular season episode when me and you on Tuesday after Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> were literally talking about how the MLB season is way too long. Yeah. Well, it started with the NBA season, and then we transferred into the MLB season. Yeah. And then people started ringing me up telling me, like, you guys know this is the MLB regular season episode. And well, I was it's like, probably the Otani news and then... Ah, that's that's a that this is a good week to have an MLB is he worth reference. It? Well, he's doing 162 games. So let me tell you something about this. So the Cubs, I think, were actually I think Cubs were like legit players mm-hmm. in this. I mean, they were rumored the whole time to be in. Brandon, you probably don't understand this, no. um, but probably the greatest baseball player to ever exist um, just left the Anaheim Angels, um, and he's now signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers for a record. <laughs> 700 million. I, did see, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy. Somebody like you hates baseball, I'm presuming. Mm-hmm. Um it's Never on your radar. Ball sport. But it's that big of it's that big of news. Yeah. Um I am so happy that the Cubs like cuz I knew it was going to go for a crazy price. Mm-hmm. Um but seeing that even the Cubs were in on that also gives me hope because I also obviously being a Cubs fan follow fan pages and they basically showed with 700 million who else the Cubs could get <laughs> yeah. and I'm like especially that Yoshida or the, mm, the, the, pitcher. the pitcher from Japan. Um, yeah, like, yeah, come on. Like, let's get real. I mean, Otani's great, and you do get a lot of value because he pitches, he plays the pitch field. his first year because of that her surgery. I don't, yeah. I'd be shocked if he does much at all outside of it ever Just again. Just DH. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know what it's going to be, but, I mean, a team like the Dodgers can't afford it. I right. guess so. That's that is good, but uh, that's a lot of money. Every time some a con- well, a this is a money. different type of contract. But anytime baseball contracts come up, all I hear like on sports stuff is tell your kids to play baseball. But it's stupid money. For you know how hard it is to get to that level, though. There's literally so many levels you have to climb to but get is to it, the pro. So I had this conversation with somebody. I can't remember who it was, and I was like, you know, honestly, it was somebody, somebody at work. I don't think it was either you, but I was like, honestly, at this point. I think if I had a kid, I would almost push them to play baseball. Yeah. Because the thing about it is, is there's dumb money in baseball, mm-hmm. like stupid money. 
I mean, hot take. You don't have to be that athletic. If we're being, I mean, there's baseball players a lot more out of shape oh, than I am. What's his name for Daniel Vogan, Vogelback. <laughs> I mean, dude is like shorter than me and a lot heavier than me. I think he's pushing like 300 pounds. Jeez. Just, uh, just insane. And he's he's terrible. He's not even that good. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to be that great of an athlete. But there's four levels of baseball. So you mm. got to think about it. Even if you play double A baseball, you're gonna make like six figures a year to play two leagues below the actual MLB level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's just dumb money. Cause there's so many positions, right? And mm-hmm. there's nine guys in the field. And then there's like four or five substitutes on the bench. You have a whole pitching staff, right? Usually, right. which consists of like four or five starters, four or five relievers, two closers. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It's just nuts. There's so many positions that, yeah, I probably would push my kid to play baseball. Yeah, I mean, now they're even, <laughs> like, trying to lock up kids that haven't even played pro yet because oh. they have potential and they don't want to risk them leaving. So, Dude, in, like, Cuba and Puerto Rico and all that stuff, they have entire, like, farm league systems mm-hmm. set up. Every MLB team has one, and it's just, like, like basically farming kids out of these countries come play eventually for the teams. Cool. It's insane, Sounds dude. messy. It is insane, but this is not an MLB <laughs> podcast. We promise. Not yet. We don't, I don't even, you know, it, we've never talked about baseball in here. No. Uh, but hey, I guess, if, you know, when it's the MLB regular season episode, you know? you, you, it is what it is. You go with it. Uh, we have so much more to get to with the sport of mixed martial arts, though. But before we do, John, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. Everybody, you know what we ask you to do. If you're on Spotify listening, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars. It helps us out a lot. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps on social media, Neon Belly Podcast. That's Instagram. That's YouTube. That's TikTok. Neon Belly Pod on X. Come get with us. We're going to be having a lot of fun stuff going toward the end. And then we have a big year that we're trying to prep for next year. So come through. Yeah, we'll try to get our year-end upload schedule out next uh, week. Obviously, you know, next week we'll be recapping UFC 296. Obviously, any new stuff per usual. Um, and then we only have one episode left of the year, and that's going to be our award show. So it's just going to depend if we want to drop it Christmas week or uh, the first week of the new year. So, mm. But either way, we do have an off week coming. So I do want to put that out. But hopefully next week we can give some clarity on that. Boys, let's get into it. This past Saturday's UFC fight night, and for the last time <laughs> from the Apex, at least of this year, it's coming back. Don't worry. The Apex is going nowhere. In our main event, Song Yedong defeats Chris Gutierrez via unanimous decision. Um, and I'll be honest, I think this was a little harder early on than Song Yidong thought it was going to be. Um, and in some regards, it was almost a tale of two fights, you know, because I felt like through three rounds, Chris Gutierrez seemed very calm, very focused, very in the moment. Um, not saying he was winning these rounds or, you know, mm-hmm. that he was, but like you could noticeably tell he was frustrating Song Yidong. Uh, he was controlling the range. And, and, and like I said, at least on the feet, I felt like Song seemed to be getting really, really annoyed um, to the point where he started shooting for takedowns, which I felt he needed to. I literally sent it to you guys. <laughs> yeah. and not even 40 seconds later, he shoots a takedown. Um, but then, you know, in those championship rounds, right, when experience was everything, um, it just seemed to all fall apart for Chris Gutierrez, whether it was a lack of experience in the big moments or... Or maybe, you know, the short notice nature of this fight, maybe mm-hmm. cardio and stuff just kind of caught up to him. Maybe he was feeling a little fatigued, um, but he just seemed to lose some focus there. You know, uh, he's in a main event with one of the best bantamweights in the world, right? And he was arguing with people in the crowd, telling them, come fight him. Uh, he was complaining to the ref, like, as he's getting punched in the face, saying he's getting hit in the back of the head. Like, all these are little things that tell you he's not focused mm-hmm. on the fight, right? Um 
And like I said, um, and even his uh, coach, Mark Montoya, uh, even telling him in between rounds, uh, in between rounds four and five, you need to focus. And he was like, you know, are you here with me? Do I have you? You know, are you mentally in it? Um, telling him, you know, he's going to shoot, avoid avoid that shot, right? And then he comes out uh, in the fifth round and tries an Imanari roll after he just got dominated for two and a half rounds on his back. Uh, and his best chance to win that fight was on the feet, right? Yeah. So it's like what he was doing there, I have no idea. Um, but it's not about Chris Gutierrez and what he didn't do. I just felt like, man, he was in that fight those mm-hmm. for, through those first two, definitely maybe even three rounds. Um, but good for Song Yidong um, to show that experience and doing exactly what he needs to do to get a big win here. That now makes two straight for him. Um, and to me, uh, he really seems like a guy who's taken that next evolution in MMA in his game overall. And we we talked about that similar, similarly. I can never say that word. <laughs> with another guy, I can't remember who it was recently. But it's like sometimes guys have these performances. Another guy we're going to get to in the co-main, I felt like had one too, where it's like you start looking at him like, okay, this guy's taking a jump. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I felt like that's what we got here from Song. Yeah, so for me, this is going to be a short recap because I fell asleep after round three. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so I, I started the fights early on. I thought that, I thought for some reason the main car started at so like So you didn't nine. see the Chris Gutierrez and Minari roll? No. Oh, well, I saw was, the highlight, but I didn't see okay. it. It wasn't time. even a good Minari roll. Yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> he it just was like rough. fell to his back. But anyway, so like first three rounds for me, yeah, essentially what you said, it was very closely contested. I thought like on the feet, they looked fairly even. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was round two or three. I don't remember where um, Song started to kind of implement the takedowns. Kind of like halfway through two, I think. Yeah, and the takedowns looked really solid. I mean, the top control, I think you mentioned last week, you expected as much from Song. And as soon yeah. as he kind of went that way, you started mm-hmm. to see a little more control. And then uh, obviously he started to kind of run away with it. Yeah. Rounds four and five yeah yeah i thought it was interesting i think with gutierrez i think song ran into somebody who is very very effective with kicks and usually you'll have guys who maybe throw a high kick or just low kicks but gutierrez uses that as as his hands almost like yeah that's flipping stuff out at all times at legs body head i felt that too at one point i'm like man he almost uses his legs like feet like hands like I bet Chris, Chris Gutierrez is a, probably a good soccer player. I'm going to venture oh, to say, like, uh, for sure, because it, it's it is weird how he almost throws him like like arms and the way he controls range with him is mm-hmm. really yeah. really tough to deal with. And it seemed like his coach was yelling out like in between where it's like you're not in a full on like head kick distance, but yeah. you're not in boxing, but you can throw these probing yeah. kicks that um, he had a lot of success with. But I do think you know, and then we talked about uh, you know in the chat too. Song was getting frustrated, you know, yeah. trying kind of putting his head beating his head against the wall to figure out how to get his game to work well because he has to get inside a guy right. like song dong little guy short you know shorter reach like he he needed to get inside and just couldn't right and he and he you know he likes that boxing range where he can sit down and yeah. throw multiple punches use that hand speed and it just those areas weren't there mm-hmm. until i think it was the third where he landed a really big punch um mm-hmm. and kind of finished in it with a, trying to get a flurry off and then like you said in the championship rounds leaned on that wrestling and i think for gutierrez too you know he talks about being kind of um what's the word he used self-sabotage like he kind of gets in his own head or, or you know gets in his own way and part of that, like, you know, even in the, the second round when Song got the takedown, he had a really active guard. He looked like he was looking for triangles, things like that. Yeah. Rounds four and five, he was just closing up guard and taking punches to a point where in the fifth, I believe, Song passed and went back to guard just because he could get those punches off and Chris wasn't doing anything to try to get up or change the position. Very interesting, I thought, you know, in the lead up to the fight and his pre-fight press conference, Chris Gutierrez called this the scariest. So he's like, I'm scared. I'm very called it the scariest fight of his career so far. He was intimidated to fight Song Yidong. 
Um, and I feel like almost in those early rounds, maybe that brought the best out of him. Like that's where we were seeing some success, right? And maybe to the point where having so much success that uh, maybe once he kind of settled in and he was like, oh, I can compete with this guy. He just got a little too comfortable, right? Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, I just thought that was interesting that he called it the scariest fight of his career going into it. And I thought coming into it, he looked really good early on in this fight. And then, yeah, it just was, seemed like some type of a disconnect or a switch kind of mm -hmm. flipped off there for him. Um, even like in between fourth and fifth, you know, when Montoya was kind of like trying to get him going for that last round, uh, he was hanging his head. He kind of just looked a little defeated. Like I think mm -hmm. he knew he just had nothing else, no more answers. Um, he called out Piotr Jan and his post-fight uh, interview there. Obviously, um, as we mentioned last week, uh, Yan was supposed to face Song Yidong in this fight, but had to pull out. It was also supposed to be in Shanghai, um, in Song's home country of China. Uh, Yan still seems interested, tweeting out the Yan, that Yan emoji, saying he's not impressed, basically, by the performance or a boring fight. Uh, Song said that he's into it. I do think it's a good fight. But we have to remember some context here. Is Piotr Jan is on a three-fight losing streak, and Song Yidong is now on a two-fight win streak. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it's just a matter of how much sense does this actually make for the division, right? right. Um, I don't know. So what, what do you guys think? Because there's definitely not a lack of contenders in the UFC's best division, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that is Bantamweight division, including the now newly ranked number eight, Davison Figueiredo, um, who is just seated one position below Song Yidong, um, which I think, who another guy coming off a great great fantastic win him versus song Yudong, sign me up mm -hmm. makes so much more sense for the division as well moving forward um but yeah i don't know what do you guys think because i think uh song Yudong, you know going into the Piotr Jan fight he was coming off of a win but he's one and one right he lost to san mm -hmm. and then beat um ricky simone ricky simone right so one and one against the zero and three guy guy you know zero and three in his last three makes you know still coming off a win you know but mm -hmm. Piotr Jan still ranked high but now it's like He's won two straight, looked pretty good. Piotr Jan, 0-3. I don't know. What do you think? I'm actually okay with it, and here's why. The last, a lot of people are, for the, the record. The three losses Piotr has are to sure. Marab Dwabashili, Sean O'Malley, and Aldermaine Sterling. So two, sure. two of those three are champions. Fair and then enough. Marab, who's our, like the number one contender at this point, arguably, yeah. right? So I think for Song, I think it's a great fight. I think that's a, another opportunity for him to just kind of propel himself further. Um, I don't think that's – it doesn't feel like a step back or anything for me for sure. Song. Um, and I, if anything, it's more for Yan as far as like, look, if you lose this, that's four in a row and it gets a guy like Song, you know, yeah. where does that put Yan? So I like it for Song. Okay. Yeah, I, I think what does keep it interesting is one – you're moving you're getting a chance to move up if you beat him and, and maybe that's the UFC could use that as a way to push song but also it is too but you know beating the number 15 guy compared to losing to the three guys sure. who are ranked above and then and also there's not a lot of other options as like a Corey Sanhagen if he wants to keep if he wants to fight up obviously he's already fought him and lost to him everybody else seems to be a little bit tied up so okay so let me rephrase it though as a as more of a question then if you had a choice if Dana White called you tomorrow and said hey Song Yudong versus Davison Figueredo or Piotr Jan who are you putting him in there against Mm. Well, um, if you had that decision, because to me it's Davis and Figueredo, it makes so much more sense it's for the more, division in I, terms of moving a contender up. Okay, so Piotr Jan beats Song Yudong, then freaking what? He's you know one in four in his last three. That's good to come off of a win, a good opponent in Song Yudong. But then what? You know, you're going to throw him back in the mix it's against... Piotr? Yeah. Like well, what do you even do with him? Like, okay, so take out Song. Like, to me, it's more of a question of, is it does it make more fit sense for Song and Davison yeah. to, to fight each other than, or for one of them to fight Piotr? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a fair it is a fair argument. I would rather see Piotr fight somebody like a Chris Gutierrez coming off a really? loss, ranked a little bit lower. Yeah, I mean, like, you just, you well, got to get some confidence. 15 and 6 is I, tough, I, I understand that, but you've got to get some confidence back, man, yeah. if you're a guy like Piotr Jan. I mean, he doesn't seem like a guy short on confidence. I'm not saying that. No. But there's got to be something that eats on him in the inside a little bit, and I just don't know if going in and facing, especially this Song Hidong that we see, mm. showing off some grappling, getting better, seemingly more comfortable in these bigger positions. That was another aspect of this fight that I thought was huge. Song Yidong, to me, seemed like a superstar in there. He came in, he seemed like a main event guy um, and and really relished in this big moment. That tells me he's getting more comfortable here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if that's a good move. I don't know. Well, and I think I, if you're you're Yan, you want to stay connected to people in the sure, top 10. For sure, for Yeah, that's the only way you're going to get I, back, absolutely. back to it. I understand for Piotr Yan, but I just, I don't know. In terms of like for the division and stuff, to me, I just I don't know. Because I feel like, you know, this is one of the, the curses of rankings. You know, before rankings, yeah. guys just went on streaks and you just did stuff that kind of made a little bit of sense. Sure. Now that you have rankings, guys want to be choosy and it makes things a little bit more okay, difficult. But a guy, even then, though, is a guy 2-0 and in his last two fights fighting a guy that's 0-3, that even without rankings, I just don't think, to me, right. that makes sense. Well, what I'm saying is for the for the media well. to keep Yan there. So, like, if Piotr Yan beats Song Yidong, really the only other thing left for him is either... Uh, I mean, kind of a title shot in a sense, or a title eliminator against, you know, let me open the rankings. Like, you know, uh, you know, oh gosh, Henry's and Henry and Marab are probably going to square off. Aljo's moving up, so one through three are kind of like out right now. Saint Hagen's out, and then you have Piotr Jan at five. So if Piotr Jan beats Song Yidong, are you going to throw him in a title shot? I mean, I I mean, you could do the Sanhagen fight again, I guess, when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't really Maybe know what that. Maybe you put him up against Davidson and the winner of that. You could. Because Davidson's a champ, like yeah. a former champ coming off of the win. If you want to put, if you want Davidson on the sidelines for a minute, you know, yeah, that's an option as well. Yeah, it's just a, as, as talented as the division is, they need to, they need to get some guys up. They need to get the Umars up. They need to get some other guys up. And let me say, even looking at that, I feel like Piotr... Being at five, I'd be interested to see the rankings on Monday. I feel like Song could move, you know, Cheeto's at number six. Um, obviously, with his title fight coming up, I have a feeling he may move up to five and Song to six, and Piotr might fall to seven. I don't mm-hmm. I don't see how Piotr sitting up there is. That's, what, that's kind of what I was getting to with the rankings. The media kind of put this in a weird spot because yeah. losing three in a row for Peter Jan, I don't know how you keep him up. Yeah, I guess I'm just looking at it as like, I, I don't know, like even like a Piotr Jan versus Rob Font, like some another guy seated at nine. Um, because you're gonna have to look back if you're Piotr Jan, because there's just not many people available above yeah, him yeah. either. So it just seems like that would make a little bit more sense than, you know, Song versus him. I don't know. For no, but I, I do agree that Song is ready to get into that. Yeah, that for sure. echelons. Yeah, because even the Sanhagen fight, you know, it was a good fight. Obviously, he gets cut and they stopped the fight, but it's not like he wasn't in that fight. He had some good exchanges with Sanhagen. Yeah, I agree. In our co-main events. In our co-main event, boys, Khalil Roundtree Jr. defeats Anthony Smith via third-round knockout. And, boys, this is a very, very big win for the career of Khalil Roundtree and his future. Um, I mean, he just looked amazing here. Uh, Completely outstruck Anthony Smith. Uh, The combos were smooth so fast. Um, then the kicks just complimenting everything he was doing, especially those body kicks, man. Good Lord. Uh, that was just sensational, some of those kicks, the sounds that they Sound were like making. like a two-by-four slapping yeah. somebody in the stomach. Uh, I, I actually thought 
like, you know, right before, are you ready? Are you ready? I thought Khalil Roundtree looked really tense in the corner Dang, standing there. Bouncing. Then when he came out, he looked really, like, stiff. Like, I'm like, oh, no, he's going to – this is a big moment. He's going to choke it. Oh, no. Uh, but I felt like once – and then, you know, Smith kind of coming at him a little bit. I thought he was kind of like, oh, shoot. Maybe he wasn't expecting that. Uh, but, man, once he settled in, he just never looked back in this fight. He's now won five straight. Uh, your guys thought on this win and performance by Roundtree. Fantastic. And the takedown defense looked good as well. I think there was only one attempt by Smith, but it looked great. as well. I mean, he was throwing strikes even as his one leg is up in yeah. Smith's arms. So, I mean, I just think he looked really comfortable, like you said, once he kind of settled in. Yeah. Um, the power, man. Like, we talked about how durable Anthony Smith is. And to see him— It's different. Yeah, to see him go through those three rounds, like— I. I there was I think round two he got dropped or there was mm -hmm. a couple moments in the earlier rounds where he really was stumbling and I, I, well again was one of those two things either Anthony Smith's just too tough for his own good and he's going to kind of pull through it or Khalil's just that strong or that powerful and it's going to eventually wilted at him obviously and it dropped him and finished him but I, that's just really impressive to me because you don't see Anthony Smith get finished like that often hold on to that thought about it. i got a thought on anthony smith i want your take on the winter okay. performance so you know i thought that this is one of the best khalils we've seen yeah. and, and then even adding the patience because in that second round he walked like he almost hit the off button on him again yeah and he kind of took his time came up on him and anthony smith was able to recover a little bit yeah but that just lets you know that khalil knows oh i just have to touch you with this well even like the finish right to like walk with that fish in there i mean talk <laughs> just, about like that's like my sleep paralysis oh, that's my new dude. sleep paralysis demon right just like oh, i told but, uh I, I was talking to Dino and I told him that it's like a, when your dad's coming at you with the belt because you ain't yeah. listening and he's just like hey but just that tells you too like that to me is one of those indicators of like okay that's a guy that's in the moment he's very focused he knows he's very aware of the situation what's happening you know I mean not saying that when guys come in and do un, you know unintentional you know shots that they're not in the moment or whatever but uh he was just just in that like flow state Dude. i think he was just so dialed in and just knew that he had clipped him and that it was over if he would have had to throw that that would have went through the ring oh, yeah. like he had that full <laughs> power to <laughs> i can't remember who it was on twitter or x i saw somebody posted that uh he didn't do that to disrespect or troll Anthony Smith. He was doing that to warn the referee, like, I'll do it. I'm gonna kill. I'll do it. <laughs> you want one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what a finish, though, man. What a Counters. performance. Yeah, just just so great. Everything. Great performance. Um, we'll get more to, like, again, this, this is a big, I think, for Roundtree's career and his future. The observation, I do want to get to one observation, and, and something I kind of thought last night about Anthony Smith before we move on. You know, we've, we've kind of discussed how he's just seemed a little off, right, these last couple couple of outings um and really for a while and one thing I felt I saw in this matchup um and, and even thinking back it's like man I feel like this could be something is just a big inability to switch things up mid-fight when that initial game plan just isn't working uh, and for a guy who has as much experience as Anthony Smith that's a bit concerning to me for a guy at this point of his career and in this stage of his career right mm -hmm. um if you saw, he started round three the exact same way he started rounds one and two, coming right out across the cage, trying to back Khalil Roundtree up, and he was getting pieced up and getting countered the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and with how well-rounded a guy like Anthony Smith is, I mean, we've seen Anthony Smith compete in grappling competitions, and he does pretty good, man. Right. Um, I feel like he's got to be able to make that read, like, okay, this isn't working. I have to do something different. And I just feel like that's kind of where he's been for a while now. It's like... 
if stylistically the matching, the striking matchup works well for him against his opponents, he's going to go out and look like a stud and mm-hmm. probably somewhat of a tie. Like, okay, Anthony Smith's back, right? Um, but then in fights like this against Roundtree when it's just not working and he's getting beat up and he's getting beat up bad, I just feel like there's an inability to move past that initial plan that he came in with or like make that mid-fight adjustment. I don't even want to say it's an IQ thing because I think he has a really smart... I mean, he's super... I mean, they even said in the walkout, he's like the most experienced current... 50 fights. Uh, yeah, UFC light heavyweight. Almost. I just... Yeah, and I, but I just feel like the best guys in the world are able to go out and adapt in the middle of a fight, right, and change it up. And I just don't feel like we saw that. Like, in the third round, when he's charging across the cage, I'm like, that's exactly how the fight started. Mm-hmm. And you're still doing it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, and I don't know, it just seemed a little odd to me. I thought the same thing, actually. And what I started to think of, I don't know if this is just kind of going off on a tangent, but, like, between him and Michael Chiesa, both of them, they play mm, a role. That's with, another good one. They, they yeah, both, same thing. And they both play a role in media, right? They play, mm-hmm. they, they're announcers, they have yep. jobs within the UFC outside of fighting. Yep. So I just wonder sometimes, like, that, that ability to adapt like you're saying that takes a certain level of attention and focus like as a, as a fighter so i wonder how much of it's impeded through that other job um and i don't know the answer obviously that's something they'd have to speak to but yeah that's just something i start to think to myself with him and, it's, and michael kiss as well and it just kind of has been in the back of my mind and that's a great point because but and and two guys again that's what i'm getting back to with anthony smith this isn't like a like, I'm not really doubting his, like I said, I don't want to say fight IQ because we do hear him doing the commentary mm-hmm. and the media stuff, and he has a really smart mind, like, mm-hmm. very analytical. Like, the way he can break down fights, like, he's very smart, but it's just like he gets in there, and it's just like, dude, if you're getting pieced up walking this guy down, like, maybe we just don't walk him down anymore, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know, I just, but, excuse me, even going back to that Glover fight, it's like, it's just like, when he's getting beat up, man, it just gets worse. Like it's mm-hmm. like it's never like when he starts getting tagged up, it just doesn't really stop. Yeah, and, and that's what I said in my breakdown for Khalil is like, I think when whenever Anthony Smith runs into a wall and it starts pushing back at him, yeah. he breaks. Yeah, and it's just he doesn't have that same. Yeah, it's weird. And it's pro- and it's since the Glover fight, those fights kind of change people. Yeah, when you get beat up like that, and I mean, I remember you know afterwards, I was probably one of the saddest about it. Why? By the time it got to the end, one of the saddest fights yeah. to just keep watching. Like he's picking up his tooth. It and, is what it is, man. Right. <laughs> God. Like, geez. And even that they said that like in the media before leading up to this, he was like, you know, taking this fight on short notice. He's like, Hey man, sometimes you just gotta live. And it's like Yeah. I don't know if that sounds like somebody who came in there to win, or is it like a like almost like a Volkanovsky thing where he feels like I have to stay busy, yeah. I have to keep fighting. Um, but for him, if you're going to keep fighting, you can't yeah. get, keep on getting beat up like this, man. Yeah, yeah tough night for the Factory X guys. Uh, keep your mm-hmm. eye on Brandon Roy Val next week. Pantoja, mm-hmm. let's see. He's going to have to break that. You know, Anthony Smith and Gutierrez, rough night. Mm-hmm. So just something to throw out there. Roy Val was in Gutierrez's corner as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, But back to Roundtree and what you know this could mean for him moving forward. He's definitely going to enter the top ten. I think he actually should slot into that number eight spot that Anthony Smith currently holds. Um, he said he wants the champ. I respect that totally. I get what he's saying behind it. Um, but in his words, his own words, the politics will play out. He is going to have mm-hmm. to fight one, maybe two more guys before he gets that opportunity, I think. Um, 
And kind of looking at the rankings, you know, I think number six, Nikita Kroylov, would make a ton of sense, especially if he does slot into that eighth spot. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a great fight. Um, and I think for a guy like Khalil Roundtree, before he does challenge for that title, I do think, and, his, and this is something, I'm not, you know, projecting this on him, he's even said it, we do need to see him in a five-round fight, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, to make sure he can handle that. I'm not saying that it's going to go five rounds, but you at least got to put him in that main event, big fight slot, mm-hmm. give him his card, he's past due for that. He deserves it, especially at this point. Um, and a win like Nikita Kroilov could see him go into that top five, possibly even hurt him a title shot, depending how injuries and things could play out. You never know. However, uh, Roundtree is fun and exciting, and I think the UFC recognizes that, and if they don't, they need to now. Mm. Um, and if I'm them, I would really – I know this goes against a lot of what I just said about main event big fight, that type of stuff. But I would think long and hard about giving Khalil a shot at number five, Alexander Rakic, who needs an opponent for January 24th, as it was announced, Jan Blachowicz falling off injured in that fight. Um, if if Roundtree wants it, you know, unless a guy like maybe Yuri wants it, which I don't know what his injury status, if he can even fight that quick. Um, but I think they could have... Um, a star here at light heavyweight and round tree. And that would be a huge win. I mean, in a pretty big spot, right on a pay-per-view main cards or a main pay-per-view, but against a guy like Alexander Rakic, man, that could really, you're talking, you beat that guy. You probably are fighting next fight mm-hmm. for a title. Do you so. think you prefer one over the other? Like if you got to pick, <sighs> that's tough, man, because I do, I do want to see him in a main event slot, but his, all his fights during this run, this five fight run, I think they said have been at the apex. Mm-hmm. So I think for that alone, I want to see him in a big arena. I think that fight card on the 24th is UFC 297. I believe that's in Toronto, Canada. Mm -hmm. Those crowds are always nuts. Let's put him in a packed arena. Let's get a crowd behind him. Let's see how he reacts to that. I think there is some pressure and stuff in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And just see how it plays out. I think I would prefer the rackage, though. I think it's a big fight. Mm. I'd be interested to see how many people are going to say yes to him. Because that's a, a good point. That's a scare. I mean, when you see what he does to people, it's a scary proposition when there's other fighters who maybe aren't so violent. Yeah. Um, so, and we've seen that. I mean, with Shavkat and other guys who kind of come up to that mid, that middle range, it's, tough, it's yeah. really hard for them to get fights coming up. And then when you look at that, well, top yeah, because if you're like, if you're number four or five, you don't want to lose to eight or nine. You know what I right. mean? Right. And, and when you look at the top guys, it's like there's a lot of, you know, parody of like I don't know what's happening with Jamal Hill yeah. or Yuri Prohoshka or you know Jan Blahovich now that he's hurt like there's so yeah. much parody I think Krolov does make the most sense as far as like who's available right now or if for it's sure in a main event. Don't right you if if they go the route of Krolov you only do the main event but I'm telling you man I think. The iron is hot right now with Clear Roundtree, and I think putting him, turning him around quickly, mm-hmm. putting him on that first pay-per-view of the year in that big crowd um, against a guy like Rakic who's returning from injury. Don't know what he's going to look like. It's probably a pretty... I'm sitting here today saying if they do that, I probably will lean Khalil Roundtree. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I deserve the right to change that, <laughs> uh, or reserve the right, I mean. But... Um, I would probably pick Roundtree in that yeah. fight, honestly. And what a fight in a moment that way. If he goes out and like starches and has a performance like this, you just can't really deny him anymore. In, unless in, it, in a crowd and like yeah. on the yeah, in that type of moment. Absolutely. Especially. Unless unless it's a guy like Yuri, like another big fight. I just don't know who else you'd give him outside of whoever's next after whatever happens with this title. We'd have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, and, and with somebody like Alexander, you might look at, like I said, being like the Khalil Roundtree is yeah. a scary prospect. Maybe you do try to wait out a year for a couple months after, which I, sure. I mean, I have that in the news, but he did call out Yuri and yeah. Yuri's um, Alexander Rakic. Oh, okay. And Yuri said, I can't do January, but I can do February or March. And then Rakic was like, all right, Dana, let's do it in Anaheim. I don't know. 
But if you beat Erie, yeah, you're right there. Yeah, so that that's going to be a smarter fight for him. And that's what I'm saying. I don't know how many people are going to be like, yeah, you know, I'll take. But I feel like for a pay per view, you need a fight like Rakic, yeah. Khalil on it, man. That'd just be a good fight that people, fans, will love to see that. And I think the light heavyweight division needs. We need something like that from this division. Yeah. And that's why I think about Roundtree is like, dude's got the potential to really take it to that next level. And when you need guys building, talking about building stars in that division, this is how you do it through guys like Khalil Roundtree. Um, that's it, boys, that I had to pre... So, with 296, um, obviously, and you know, all that we have to get to, that's all I did have in my notes to cover. But as always, the floor is your guys' is to discuss any other performances or anything wins that stood out. Tim um, Elliott. Out there getting it done. Yeah, over Sumudarji. Yeah. That was a big win for Tim Elliott. Did you man. see the blood gush out of his mouth? Yeah. Like in the midst of that arm triangle? Yeah. That's, that's tight. Uh, absolutely gutted for my boy, the Iron Turtle. I, dude, uh, I thought he got it. I was, oh, that was man, tough. that was, I mean, just, I mean, Andre Muniz at his best, right? I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of just what we saw there. 11 takedowns from Andre Muniz in that fight and just total dominance on the ground. Thought it was very interesting. Um, you know, one thing that's always, you know, I guess is jujitsu guys. Guys, it always gets debated, or not like for us because we don't fight mixed martial arts, but that you hear debated is training gi for mixed martial arts, right? Some people are in the camp that think that's favorable, other people not so much. And I thought it was interesting. One thing they said um, for Muniz is that he got back to training in the gi for this fight, mm. um, and man, just showed complete and total dominance and control there. So maybe there is something to that. You know, I don't know. Maybe if it's a grip thing, or a strength building, I don't know. I, very interesting, though, that, that he they say he even was competing in the gi mm-hmm. uh, in the lead up to this fight. Um, Nazrak Hakparas, big win for him. What a knockout over Jamie Malarkey. John, you said he almost like punched Jamie Malarkey <laughs> yeah, just back to uppercutting him back to his up. feet. I thought that was a great representation. Um, and the only other one that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned was Tatsuro Tyra. Um, this kid, man, I'm telling you what, the whole flyweight division has been put on notice. Um, he called out Muhammad Mukhaev, but I think Mukhaev has a fight booked currently, mm-hmm. if I remember. We just yeah, talked about it. it. Okay. Um, so that's not going to happen, but uh, Tatsuro Tyra, whoa. I mean, yeah. this this kid, 14-0, and 0, I think now. 15-0. Um, 15-0 yeah. out of Japan, I think, and just, mm-hmm. wow, has all the makings to me of being a very, very legit. I love this flyweight division right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. And including um, our title fight that we have this Saturday, 296. And before we get to UFC 296, Brandon, update us on our scores. So currently, Nate, you have 99, I have 94, and John, you have 91. So oh, I'll call, push the bunch up. This is it. Yeah. This is it, boys. <laughs> One more chance for you guys to pass me. I have to have an absolute stinker here. Um, obviously, in my notes, right, I always um, – I always – type my, my pick's going to be. So I have it all written down. Um, I'm doing a million different things, pushing a million different buttons. I just, so it helps keep me focused and on track to have it, be able to reference it. Um, I am debating though, just going wherever Brandon goes, really, or you guys go and just locking you guys out to secure this dub uh, for the end of the year. But it's an option, you know, Mama ain't raised no, you know. Yeah. We're going for it, baby. Sometimes, I want, you, sometimes you hold them against the cage because you know there's a minute left and it's dangerous. I want 110, baby. I want it all this year. We ain't, we ain't taking no days off. We're going for the win here. So I don't care what you guys have. I'm sticking to my uh, truth, and that's the story that's going to be for UFC 296, boys, this Saturday with a start time of 10 p.m. Eastern Standard. 
live from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I got a little fun fact. We got to get out of Las Vegas, boys. I'm just going to burn it out too <laughs> yeah. quick. Just got to um, move to Nevada. So we're moving to Eureka, Nevada, boys, mm. where there is a law that still stands to this day that says it is illegal for men with mustaches to kiss women. Uh, the law is obviously no longer enforced, but it is still on the books. Um, and Brandon, in case you are wondering, there is no law against women with mustaches kissing men. Really? Um, so I don't know how you feel about that, I'm but not, I'm not very happy about I, it. I believe this law. I think it said it, uh, it was written in like the 1800s. So I think we got a new facts don't care coming over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's brewing. He did immediately go to the phone like, nope. mustaches, <laughs> men, that, women? Yeah. Question mark. Putting that in my notes. <laughs> Boys, let's get to it. And kicking off the main card, we will start with the first fight in the welterweight division as number nine, Vincente Luque, takes on number 10, Ian Machado Gary. Uh, and boys, Luque returns off his unanimous decision over Rafael Dos Anjos back in August. And that win snapped a two-fight losing streak as he suffered back-to-back -back losses to Bilal Muhammad and then his first ever knockout loss to Jeff Neal. His opponent, the undefeated Ian Machado Gary. Not undefeated on the internet these past couple weeks. Taking a lot of Doesn't even want to bring his family to America. Yeah. <laughs> but he comes in a perfect 13-0 in mixed martial mm -hmm. arts for what it's worth. Um, of course, his last six straight fights, all being inside the UFC cage, um, and his last win was over the one-legged Neil Magny back in August. I'm still not over that, by the way. And I think <laughs> given all the things said, ruined a whole entire parlay for me. Um, that's all I needed was him to finish. It just was a finish. Yeah. Uh, it didn't really matter. could have been a submission. Uh, quite a bit of money. Uh, yeah. There, but uh, I rest. Um, and then I think, but I think, given all the things said about Gary these past few weeks, it is going to be all jokes aside, very interesting to see what kind of mind frame he shows up in. You know, is this something that he can kind of use to his advantage, or is it, you know, all something that could play out to a downfall this Saturday? Because he's even had a little bit of things with, you know, Vincente Luque, right? Back when their fight, they were supposed to fight, if you remember, and he leaked that phone call with Luque, and that's kind of what we're seeing, you know, everybody saying they don't like about, um, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, but Rio Ferdinand, Glory Glory Man United, shout out, interviewed Leon Edwards this past week, um, and asked him um, what happened, basically, with Ian Gary. And he was just like, we just didn't like the cameras, man. Like, he brings his wife in here. He shows up late. Um, he's filming everything. And, you know, Sean Brady said the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Brendan Allen. All these guys say the same thing. It's the Ian Gary show. We don't want to be a part of it. We don't want to be on it. Um, not a lot of fans for Ian Gary yeah, in the mixed martial arts community. Uh, yeah, kind of. Nah, I don't know. I think he went back to Brazil for this, if I recall. Um but yeah, it's just going to be interesting, you know, uh, in there, you know, is he going to, like I said, is that motion going to be, because you're going against a very dangerous guy, I guess yeah. is what I'm getting at, and Vincente Luque, um, and I just don't know that you want to go in there overly emotional, so it will be interesting to see, because they're going to be on his top all mm -hmm. week, the fans, the media, everybody. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if um, how many people like show up and are around. You know, Sean Strickland in the crowd or oh, something, gosh. or people are just gonna push his buttons. You know, him and Strickland had a run in. That's what I'm that? saying. They yeah. had one at the PI, <laughs> yeah. and they had he had to be uh, Strickland had to be they'd be escorted away by security. So that's what I'm saying. He is gonna have distractions everywhere he goes this week. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's what makes this very interesting to me. Uh, to the point, like John even said, he said he was afraid to bring his family over here. Even you know, I'm sure mm. he's getting crazy messages and threats and stuff. I'm not saying I condone it. I don't. I mean, obviously, we don't know Ian yeah. Gary. I'm you know never been in the same room with him. But when you do start hearing the same stuff from people in the same environment, saying the same things are playing out, kind of start to believe it too. Mm. So, uh, very interesting little storyline heading into this one again. Like I said, with the leaked phone call with Luke K even going back to that when they were uh, originally scheduled to fight. So Luke K can't be a happy camper either heading into this. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see how this all plays out. But John, who are you taking? So uh, another interesting thing about the him and Luke, K, I don't know if you've seen Luke K had shared some picture about like him getting baptized and uh, Ian Gary commented, you're going to see the real God in blonde hair on the dime. Yeah, I mean, well, he's, he's, he's doing a, weird yeah, things, Yeah, he's had man. a couple of those where he's, like, commented on people's stuff, and they keep screen sharing it, and it's like, yeah, just, it's not so a you, good look. So you're mixing that, and it's just like, you know, you're running out of camps because yeah. you keep on burning these bridges. Um, I don't know. And I also feel like this is one of those, like, because Vincente Luque is the best fighter he's ever fought. This is his big test. Um, and Vincente Luque has been in there with everybody. Yeah. So this isn't like a, oh, is Vincente Luque ready for somebody on sure. Ian Machado Gary's level? And I, and I kind of referenced the Wonder Boy fight for Machado or for, uh, Vincente as far as fighting that kind of bladed style. We're going to throw kind of long, strong, uh, punches and kicks. So, and I thought that Vincente Luque, especially early, did a really good job against Wonder Boy, and I think Wonder Boy is the top level of what Ian Gary is going to bring on a striking mm-hmm. level. Um, and I just don't know if Ian Gary is going to be able to push through because he lives off this bravado and this confidence. In a week like this and the stuff that's happening, I just don't know, you know, how that's going to carry over. Yeah. And for Vincente Luque, I know they've probably they've, they've trained together, so it's not like it's even something that he's never sure. seen. And I think for Vincente Luque, also just leaning on that experience, I'm actually going to go with him. I'm going to take Vincente Luque. Um, I think he can grind it out. I think I'm going to have him by decision. I think this Gary's going to be maybe a little gun shy or maybe just might not be able to just come over the moment. The only thing I will say kind of in response, because I don't think I have it in my notes to mention, is there are definitely, like, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying, because I think there is an aspect, I guess, just kind of playing devil's advocate or the other side of it. Again, I don't really know which way this is going to play out, but I do think there definitely are fighters who they thrive on that chaos. Mm-hmm. Like I think a guy like Sean Strickland, the crazier everything around him is, the better. Conor McGregor, uh, Ian Ian Gary's countrymate, like that's another guy. Like those those kind of like European, UK, Irish guys, they kind of are a bit crazy. Like mm-hmm. and they love it. They love that stuff. So there is that part of it where it's right. like we will have to see how that how he reacts to it. But there are guys that also thrive on this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I think that just real quick, I think that Ian Gary does have a thing about getting hit and then he hits people back. Sure, Vicente Luque has a really good chin obviously it hasn't looked as great recently but we're talking about some really high like high level guys sure. too so it'll just be interesting to see what happens if he starts getting pushed and i think vincente Luque just has more ways to win but i do think he'll grind out a decision so i i put a lot of stock into the mental stuff like that you're talking about with all this you know flack he's getting from yeah. everybody I, I think that does play a role i think some guys like you said they they thrive in it and some don't and i think Ian, I mean, maybe he does thrive in it, but I'm not convinced yet, just based off what I've seen from him. I think this might be a little too much for him in that sense. Um, and then as far as the fight goes, I think if Luke wrestles, he wins his fight. I think he has the ability to win it on the feet, but I don't like playing that game with Ian Gary. Like, I think he is just as capable as knocking Vicente out as anybody. So um, I like Luke here, though. I think that experience is going to help him in this capacity. I think if he can stick to that offensive wrestling that he showed against uh, RDA, he has some some good shots here. So I'm going to take Luke. He took decision. That was what I wanted. So I'll say second round submission. 
Yeah, also important to remember, too, these guys did used to train together um, at Killcliffe FC. Um, obviously, Gary since moved on. Uh, but as we always say, you know, those guys probably have an idea of, of what's going to happen or like how this is going to play out. I'm sure they remember who got the better of the other in those training sessions. Um, I actually think if we do see a finish here, it actually comes from Luke because um, he is just an absolute finisher and fight ender. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for much as we've seen Gary finish as of late, you know, coming off that Magni win, I do think it is a <laughs> bit fair to question the finishing ability there, you know, going three rounds and not being able to put a guy on one leg out, um, especially against even tougher opposition here, as you mentioned, like Luke, who I do think is his best opponent to date in the UFC. But I do see this playing out on the feet. Um, and it's really hard for me not to pick the younger, faster, bigger guy here in any and Gary, you know, um, he'll have to keep his chin protected. You know, every second of this fight does get hit. We have seen that a lot. Um, but I think he can pick Luke apart here on the feet and, and actually grind his way to a decision. Um, I'd be shocked if he finishes Luke. Um, what a statement that would be if he did. But, yeah, I think I have to go with youth in this one. I know uh, Luke looked better. This is the only thing I will say. Looked really good in that RDA fight, especially in the wrestling. I mean, we were talking about RDA being in the wrestling, and then Luke goes out, and I think he took him down like eight times or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I just completely grinded his way. So that does make me wonder if he will try to, you know, maybe deploy a similar game here, uh, playing against here, Gary. I mean, but I'd be shocked. I think he's going to go in try to win it on the feet, especially, like I said, with that history there between the two. Um, and I just have to favor Ian Gary here. So Now, if Ian Gary wins, the the turn he can make to just – I would just go full heel if I was him at this point. Sure. You know, everybody feels how they feel about him. He could just kind of go a Covington route where he just gets booed out because, you know, people still aren't beating him, but he's this guy. So if I was him for marketing purposes, yeah. if you win, lean into that. Real quick, I had these all – we all just – well, you, I guess we kind of all picked a thing. These were only supposed to be one-pointers, but oh. you guys want to do three for oh. the whole card. It's up to you. Typically, I mean, I'm down, so I, okay. any more points I can get, I'm down. But if you guys don't want to do That's that. That's fine. I like it. It leaves a lot of room for parity. John could still come back and win this. Let's go. I like it. <laughs> Moving up the card, boys, and into the lightweight division, Tony Ferguson versus the returning Patty the Batty Pimblet. Um, and this is an interesting matchup, to say the least. Uh, Ferguson comes into this matchup with six straight losses in his career. He hasn't won a fight since Donald Cerrone in 2019, and his last loss was a third-round submission to Bobby Green back in July at UFC 291, which also was his third consecutive loss by way of finish. Worth mentioning that. Uh, we know uh, we know where Tony trained, excuse me, uh, we know he trained, uh, who he trained with, excuse me, going into this fight, the whole uh, David Goggins thing. Yeah, you know, you, where he trains for Tony is always a question mark and always yeah. a talking point and, and what he did in the lead up of the fight. Um, obviously doing the hell week here with David Goggins. Um, very interesting seeing, the, you know, we saw the videos of him exhausted and vomiting and stuff, but I don't know, you know, I... <laughs> He's always taking the unconventional path in training. Um, I guess we can start with a question, though. I mean, do you guys see any asset in this, uh, in the build-up to this fight? Because I just don't think the biggest problem here for Tony is really cardio- cardiovascular conditioning. And No, to, you know, to me, this is the exact same thing as when he weighed in twice before he fought <laughs> Justin Gaethje. Just, yeah, just like, to why? do it. Like, I'm yeah. just going to make Champ wait a week before my other fight. Like, <sighs> I, don't, I think it's going to hurt him more than help him. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, if you're going to get an edge, maybe it's the mental to be able maybe, to push through and kind of get, an get him that. some stability because obviously he hasn't been the most stable person his in his whole career, let alone on this run. So yeah. maybe I think they said that he was like the first athlete to ever
ever finish it, uh, the program with him. So maybe he just has this, like, you know, David Goggins can talk you into some stuff. Maybe. Maybe. So maybe he talks him into just kind of flipping that switch. David Goggins, just he was in somebody, not in their corner, but who was it that he just worked with or something? They did win. Can't remember who that was. Mm-hmm. It was a champion. It was he was like in the back with him too. They showed videos. Like I think him. I remember him talking to John Jones in an embedded one. Oh, John Jones, yeah. that's who it was. Yeah, he kind of worked with him, maybe on some mental stuff. I don't remember. Uh, his opponent, though, uh, moving to Ferguson's opponent, Patty Pimblett, returns after just over a year on the sidelines. He injured his ankle in his last fight and win against Jared Gordon last December. That injury did require surgery, which has kept him on the sidelines. Pimblett is four and zero in the UFC so far, um, and many. Fans, I guess you could say, even including us, we're calling to see him in some bigger fights after that Jared Gordon win. Um, and while I do think Tony is the biggest name that he has faced so far, I'm not sure that he's necessarily the biggest talent, right? Um, so I guess what are you guys' kind of thoughts on the matchup for Patty? Um, and were you maybe kind of hoping for something bigger for him in terms of competition? Or is this, do you see, hey, this is a good fight for him to kind of get a crack at someone with a name and get that on his resume? Yeah, I think it's exactly what the UFC wants. It's a very winnable fight for him against a very big name. And I mean, it kind of just leans right into what they're wanting for him, just to build them up as big as they can. Yeah, I think I, I would have, I wouldn't have been mad at him getting a more competitive, like a, a person that's on a on a same trajectory. Yeah, but I do think it does follow the you know the game Formula. plan. You know, it's kind of similar to how, you know how they built up Sean O'Malley for an ex, for an extent, and then it was boom. Now we get you to where you're going. Yeah, I guess my only worry though is like, okay, if you're gonna go this route, fair enough. But I just think it's gonna be really hard to like go from, like, Tony Ferguson to Drew Dober. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's if you're going to go Tony Ferguson, you like, next you got to go, like, a Dan Hooker. Yeah. You know, maybe a Bobby Green. But I just, like, it's just going to be really tough for them to, like, give him a big name. Like, because Tony still has a ton of fans. He's got a huge fan base. It's going to get even more eyes on Patty. Um, it's just going to be tough to go from, like, a big name like that and then to give him, like, the... 15th 14th ranked like lightweight you know what i mean yeah i I mean i just i don't know as we'll we'll, we can talk more about that after the fight kind of see how things play out because hey tony silken has a shot in this fight i mean it's still fighting right Mm -hmm. Uh, but it just yeah i don't really the next booking if patty wins this will be very interesting uh let's get to our picks john who you taking so uh, for this one First of all, I got burnt bad by Shades and Blades last time. You know, we don't have to talk about that. But, you know, one thing I do like about Patty for this fight is he's just been out of the way. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been, you know, trying to make waves like he was before doing all these interviews and all this stuff. It seems like he's just been, you know, I've seen videos of him training with Gilbert Burns and some other people. seems like he's just been in the cut working. And I like that for him because I do think he has the skill to be at the level that, you know, a lot of people see him on. He just needed to shore some things up. Striking defense, you know, even some of the IQ stuff that happens with the striking but his grappling has always been there and he ha- he is explosive so I actually like Patty in this fight I think he's going to come in concentrated and I think that you know Tony just doesn't have that you know push through anymore he can get hurt and he can get finished and I am actually going to take Patty by second round sub yeah I, I think Patty's the pick here um if you're getting pieced up by Bobby Green that's not super surprising to me but if you're getting submitted by Bobby <laughs> Green I don't I don't like yeah. heading into a fight with Patty because Patty's got very slick jujitsu um very good off the fence I just think it's Patty's fight to lose honestly um so I'm going to take Patty here I'll say for you what do you say John second, second round, round sub yeah it's 
I'll take first round submission. Yeah, the, the the thing about this is, and I mean harsh, whatever. Um, there's just honestly not many active UFC lightweights that I would pick Tony to beat at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's ranked or not. I mean, mm-hmm. call it what it is, but it is what it is at this point. Um, and I know most <laughs> Anthony Smith, right? I need it on the sideboard. It that. is what it is. <laughs> um, I know most of his fights in this losing streak have been against higher opposition, and he's made moments and had moments in a lot of those fights. But I think if you look at those performances, especially the last two as a whole, um, there's no doubt. We've seen significant decline in his skill set. To me, the biggest being in his movement. I think, you know, that's and that's going to be a big problem here. You know, when Tony was at his best, he utilized some very unorthodox and unconventional movements that really gave his opponent's problem and led to a lot of success for him. Um, and I just think now... Um, when he's in there, he just looks old, man. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just no other way of saying it. he just doesn't move. Go ahead, were you gonna nah, say something? Just, the, the way he got submitted by Diaz too, yeah. like that fight to me really showed his lack of ground skills that were there. I guess the Darius one as well, mm-hmm. but then the stand up, like you're saying, he just he's just slow. Yeah, and it just yeah. And, and I mean, and Patty is young, hungry, and a very dynamic guy, especially on the feet and in his stand-up. He's not the greatest striker by any means, um, and, and defensively not the best. I mean, Tony could clip him. We've seen Patty clipped in the UFC, um, so I'm not saying that he's going to be completely outmatched there, um, but I think as long as Patty is moving forward, that's one thing that Patty does so well, man. He is so aggressive mm-hmm. and, and just forward pressure is just unreal um he's gonna have a ton of success here i also think he's obviously in the ground i mean i know brandon said you know a guy like um patty has really good submissions i think he's one of the better jujitsu players in this division right now honestly um you know and then tony's last two or three of his finishes were submission losses so big big hole there i think that patty can fill um i think patty should win pretty handedly if i'm being Mm -hmm. honest outside of again maybe cody uh tony clipping him not sure what a winner's going to do for him, but I do like him to get it done. Um, I will say Patty... Uh, I'll say second-round TKO. Yeah. I think he's going to clip. I just think I think he clips him on the feet, man. I don't know. I I just think there's just so many... Right? I hate to say it. I mean, it sounds like really bad to say, but, I mean, if you're Tony, you're putting yourself out there at 0-6. Like, when we just have to... We have what we have to go off of, but mm-hmm. it's like kind of pick your poison here like i mean I yeah. there's really he can kind of do it any way here he wants it's just you know being defensively sound for patty like brandon said it's his to lose if he does make a lapse in judgment roll. well ferguson still has you know they always say you know the cliche is the power is the last thing to go i do think tony ferguson probably still carries the power to put a guy like patty mm-hmm. pimblett Especially out with that elbow or something drop drop chandler when he fought him so. absolutely and patty gets clipped man so we'll see but Outside of a mistake like that or, or, you know, an individual moment of brilliance by Ferguson, I think Patty kind of just has his way here. Um, next fight, boys, we're moving through it. And in the middleweight division, number five, Shavkat Rachmanov versus number six, Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Um, and I don't think there are many fighters with more hype and potential right now than the undefeated Kazakhstani and Shavkat Rachmanov. Um, and a lot of that has to do with his 17-0 professional record with all 17 being by finish. Eight by knockout, nine by submission, which just speaks volumes to the overall well-roundedness of his game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from his 100% finish rate, he has gone a perfect 5-0 in the UFC with his 
his last win being a third round submission over Jeff Neal back in March. But his opponent in this matchup, Wonderboy Thompson, isn't ex as experienced as anyone that he's ever fought. Um, and Wonderboy hasn't fought in almost a year, worth noting there. But he is coming in off his fourth round knockout over Kevin Holland last December. That win did snap a two-fight losing streak for Wonderboy as he did suffer back-to-back -back losses to Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad. Um, and I think this fight on paper seems like a bad matchup for Wonderboy, but I think at 40 years old, I don't think he has any choice but to take this fight, mm -hmm. right? I think, and he, I think especially he's still having title aspirations, and I think he kind of even said as much. So I think we will find out where Wonderboy is at in this stage of his career this Saturday night. Um, because these are the kinds of opponents not too long ago he was kind of looking to avoid mm -hmm. but he realizes this is his path back to the title so I do feel like we are going to get the best Wonder Boy this Saturday night we'll see if it's enough though John who you taking yeah you know it is interesting because I mean Shavkat was directly somebody he didn't want to fight um because of you know a grappler he'd ran into a couple of them um but you know to turn to see that he was trying to hold out for potential Kamaru who is a well-rounded striker but also has a lot of grappling and then now accepting this like you said he knows that if I want to get back to the title especially in a time right now where the top's a little wonky with Hamzat dropping out and Kamaru going to middleweight like there's room there for him sure um I think that this is definitely why he has to take this fight what's going to be interesting to me is you know, if Shavkat can solve the puzzle um, of what Wonderboy brings in as a striker with that bladed stance, being in and out, you know, not being a full target to hit, um, and then having really good takedown defense as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Shavkat does that. But I, th I think that when you look at some of these fights, uh, I look at like a Vicente Luque, who's a training partner for Shavkat, who's fought him and was able to hurt wonder boy hit him real clean and there's been other people i mean kevin holland was able to kind of stun him early in those fights but i think if shavkat stuns you he finishes you because he's not just going to necessarily keep just hitting you he can go to submissions he can hit you with everything i mean that um that jeff neal choke was just like a standing bulldog choke almost mm -hmm. it looked like he can just pull him out of nowhere and he took some huge shots from jeff neal and was able to recover very quickly and get right back onto his boxing so i'm going to take shavkat here i will say by second round TKO. Yeah, I think this is an absolute terrible fight from Wonderboy. Um, I think it'd be interesting to get his thoughts on like looking back on the Michelle fight that he didn't take because of the weight miss. If that would have maybe even just been a better option mm -hmm. for him at this point. Um, but no, I think this is complete. I think the shotgun's going to run through Thompson. To be honest with you, um, I think Thompson has the potential to win a decision if if Shafka tries to play his game kind of like he did with the Neil fight where we kind of thought maybe he's toying a little bit with Jeff Neil I think that's a dangerous game for Shafka to play but I don't see um, Thompson finishing Shafka on the feet and I think if Shafka gets a hold of Thompson again he's going to absolutely run through him but Burns and um, Bilal both were able to completely out wrestle Thompson no reason why Shafka can't do it and with 100% finish rate I think he's going to keep it up so I'm going to take Shafka I'll say I like the submission. You said second round sub. Or no, sorry, second, second round, round TKO, yeah. yeah. I'll take I'll take first round submission actually for Shavkat. Yeah, and I think too, like in a lot of senses, I really do believe, unfortunately, that you know Wonderboy is kind of fighting for more than just a title shot. I think he's kind of fighting for his career mm -hmm. this Saturday night. Not not to say that I think the UFC um, is going to cut him if he loses here. I'm not suggesting that, but more so, I feel with a loss and title hopes off the table, he may choose uh, to walk away from the sport. Uh, especially being a guy who does talk so much about wanting that title, that's why he's still here, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this matchup aside, I always do just find it difficult to pick guys in these spots when I do feel like retirement may be an option you know that's playing out in the back of their mind um 
especially in a title eliminator fight because historically it just doesn't work out for guys like this in this spot. Um, now, with that, I do think we will see a very motivated and sharp, as I said, Wonder Boy this Saturday. But at 40 years old, man, he's going against a 29-year-old monster. He's also giving up quite a few inches in reach. I also think he's just going to be outmatched in terms of just physicality as well. Mm -hmm. We've seen him struggle with that. Um, was it the... Uh, I mean, the Bilal fight, the Woodley fight comes to mind as well off top. We've just seen him be just kind of like this physicality just be a mm -hmm. problem. When you can get your hands on him, it's a big issue for, for Wonderboy. Um, there's also a big chance for a guy like Wonderboy, you know, to maybe lay, land that kind of fadeaway counter shot, but it's really hard to pick just based off of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I do like Shavka here. I like him also to continue that finish streak, um, as Brandon mentioned. Um, and it's interesting to me that Wonderboy has never been submitted. And I think Shavka is one of those guys who's going to look at that and say, I want to be the first. Mm -hmm. And possibly the only if Wonder Boy were to walk away, um, you know, he's, I think I think being the thing that's never been done it, that'll appeal a guy like right. Shafkat, kind of like just like in the Neil fight. You know, we discussed him almost being stubborn in mm -hmm. that stand up exchange. You know, and then then the finish, it's like he could have done that at any point. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like it just was almost like he just decided to end it, but he was almost like being stubborn, like he wanted to prove he could, right? Because everybody's mm -hmm. like, oh, if Neil Neil is going to knock, he could knock him out, um, and I think that's what we may see here, just with a submission. Um, so I'm going to go, do, 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 let's say Shavkat Rachmanov by, boy, I wouldn't be surprised by first round sub. Um, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Wonder Boy some grace here. Cause I do think we'll see the best Wonder Boy. Let's say Shavkat Rachmanov by second round sub. It might take him. That's your grace. Yeah. That, <laughs> he, might, him he, might, he might get him to another <laughs> round. <laughs> I mean, his, his body work too. The knees. Like if you watch yeah. the Jeff Neal fight, so if tough. he gets close to you. He, but dude, like genuinely, I'm not just saying it to try to like hedge my bets or my pick here but like wonder boy is like still elite like that like mm -hmm. uh twitch movement and stuff and like being able to take one step back and just crack a guy i mean that's that's elite and mm -hmm. i mean wonder boy could probably do that till he's 50 and knock guys out yeah. so and i just wonder what that bladed stance to it i mean obviously we don't see a lot of people do it on a high level mm -hmm. but somebody like shafka who's going to be mixing it up you got to think that single leg could be there when he wants it as well so i think i think he's just going to get him up against the fence and just work from clinches from there yeah he's gonna walk him down let us move to the co-main event boys and for the flyweight title flyweights never die the champ alexandre pantoja versus number three brandon royval um excuse me and let us lead with the new champ alexandre pantoja who will make his first title defense after successfully winning the title from brandon moreno Back in July, Pantoja also carrying a four-fight win streak into Saturday night. And one of those four wins includes a second-round submission win over Roy Val back in 2021. So, yes, this is a rematch with Pantoja getting the better of their first meeting. But Roy Val is going to look to split this rivalry as he comes into this fight on a good run of form. He has won his last three straight uh, with his last victory coming by way of first-round knockout over Mataj Nikolai back in April. Beautiful right down the middle um, I know Pantoja probably has the advantage giving the win over their first matchup but Brandon trains as mentioned you guys know I'm a factory X guy he trains out a great team um, so I think it comes down to you know can they make the necessary changes from that first matchup to try to find a way to beat Pantoja here um, but I'm curious to know which way you guys see this going you know I, watching you know going back to their last fight 
it seems like that Brandon Roy Val just had nothing for the back. I mean, Pantoja is like a, a wet T-shirt, mm-hmm. like when you get out the pool or something. Like he he when he gets on you, it's tough. And the he other had some good scrambles, but yeah. It's just it's just the level of just grappling and and just more specifically a back mount game oh, that dude. Pantoja has. And and he's playing three steps ahead. He's yeah. he's seeing what you're doing and making adjustments. Yeah. Um, but even in the stand up, what even what we've seen from the the Moreno fight, yeah. Pantoja has a jaw that's made out of a, a metal that doesn't exist, and mm-hmm. you know on earth and then he just throws heat and i mean yeah. it happened in their in their first fight where he would just eat something and then just come forward and land a big shot now you know you're turning away because you got hit and he's on your back yeah. and i just don't know that roy val has um something to stop pantoja from doing what he wants to do whether that is landing the big shots and eventually getting to the to the back and the finish so i think pantoja you know not only can he repeat what he done what he's done before but what he was able to do against brandon moreno is just one of the more impressive things i've seen in a long time Mm. so i'm going to take pantoja here i will say by third round sub i think he does he runs it back i have an incredibly hard time Taking for flyweights, like they're they're all just such high level in terms of just the all around skills. I think it's, it reflects that. I mean, look at the Figueredo Moreno quadrilogy, mm-hmm. and then Moreno, and then Panta. I mean, it just there is something in that division, man. You yeah. do never know. So I spent a lot of time kind of trying to figure out where I wanted to go with this fight, and all I could kind of come back to was Pantoja's just. just will to win and like his little speech after he beat moreno like how do you beat a guy like that you know what i mean and having a win over brandon already and i just think that again i think i i lean him in this i I could still see brandon pulling it off even in multiple ways submission knockout but i'm gonna take pantoja i think he's gonna hold the belt actually for a decent while here so i'm gonna take pantoja by submission what round did you say john three Okay, I'll take man. I feel like I have a lot of second round subs here. I'll take uh, I'll take second round sub for Pantoja. Yeah, I think he's going to be a champ for a while. But holler at me when Manel Cop gets there. We'll we'll, we'll revisit that. We'll revisit that though. We'll revisit a different <laughs> Manel Cop. All right, but he, he did. got Manel Cop early. Manel Cop now is a lot different than that early. But we'll talk about that. Then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, kind of like what Brandon's saying, I think I could talk about this matchup for 20 minutes alone. Um, there's just a lot to like about both guys. Um, but I expect this fight, you know also to be just kind of fought at a very high level, very uh, high pace, uh, much like their first one. Um, I do like Pantoja as well to retain here and do the double over Roy Val. And a lot of that honestly just comes down through, uh, to what, what we just saw him do, which is the same thing against Brandon Moreno in his last fight. Moreno was another guy who Pantoja had a previous win over and then beat him again in the rematch in a five-round fight, in a title fight, like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, you know, we know he can handle these big rematches and big fights and big moments. Um, And maybe he can kind of draw some motivation from having that winning advantage. And maybe he does. You know, maybe that helped him a little bit in that Moreno fight when things seemed to get a little tough. He was tired, right? Mm -hmm. We were all like, oh, no, he blew his wad. And he just, like Brandon said, just has this tenacity to win. Um, I think for Roy Val to have success, though, he's going to have to use his size and and, and that small reach advantage that he has and just kind of wait for that moment to land something big, which I think he can because striking defense is a bit of an issue for Pantoja. Uh, but even then, I just don't know if it'll be much. Um, I just think, you know, Moreno, who I still believe to be the best boxer in this division, had a hard time putting Pantoja away. Um, the other tough thing is inevitably Pantoja's going to land too, and that's a big problem as well. Uh, so I do like Pantoja here. 
Um, I say it every time. I'm going to keep saying it. He's just an absolute buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the title is going to make him even better as well. Um, I can see it getting a little sloppy, a little wild. I do like so. I do like a finish here. Either way it goes, I think mm-hmm. we see a finish. I'll say Pantoja third round sub. I think he gets it done on the ground again. Wait, I said, said third round. Yeah, so. John oh, you said three. third round. Yeah. Uh, let's move it back. When I'll go fourth round. Okay. Because I do see. I think it can go a little longer. Um, but yeah, I think we see a finish here either way. And once once Pantoja is on your back and he's able to hold it. It's yeah. just kind of inevitable. And finally, boys, let's look at our main event for the welterweight title as the champ, Leon Rocky Edwards, is takes on number three, Colby Chaos Covington. Um, and, boys, this will be the champ's second title defense since winning the belt with the headshot dead over Kamara Usman in April of last year. Um, and in his first defense, uh, and in his most recent victory, he rematched Usman back in March, having won that trilogy matchup by unanimous decision. Um, and more impressively, Leon's carrying a 12-fight unbeaten streak into the cage on Saturday night. Insane. Um, he obviously has the one no-contest win with Bilal in that run, but 11 straight victories outside of that for Rocky Edwards. Um, a win streak as well that dates back to 2015. That's just insane. In this in this era of the UFC, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Um And he will defend this Saturday against the returning Colby Covington, who hasn't fought since his unanimous decision victory over Jorge Masvidal in March of 2022. Colby's biggest win to date was capturing the interim title from Rafael Dos Anjos back in 2018. Since then, he has gone 3-2 and two with both losses being title bouts against former champ Kamara Usman. Um, and I think that's kind of the biggest knock on Colby going into this, right? Is he has zero wins over any of the current top 15 active UFC welterweights. So zero wins in his whole career no top 15 current top 15 welterweights um and he hasn't fought in almost a year and a half and i don't think anyone is doubting his ability to obviously to compete at this level um i think for us anyways it's just more of a does he deserve it you know going in that was kind of our thing on this title shot and when you see guys like Bilal muhammad shavkat rachmanov you know it's just hard to think that he does but nonetheless he is getting a big opportunity to shut us all up this saturday because he is facing and will have a chance to beat a very legitimate talent and current uh, welterweight champion, Leon Edwards. Interested to see where you guys are going with this one. Um, I really have no... I'm Even sitting here, I don't feel great. I think I've... I have flip-flopped seven times on this probably this week, almost every day. Wow. Yeah, you know, um, we kind of talked about it on Tuesday where it's just like, you you know, you had said like, man, this just kind of feels like yeah. the weird week where, you know, Colby's going to do... And, you know, and I told you... Um, the, the night we were over at our buddy Damien's watching the fight, I just had this weird feeling in my stomach about the Strickland Izzy where it's just like, this man Izzy's about to lose, man. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And I even get kind of feelings of that with this where it's just like, this does seem like just like a weird alignment of the stars. You know, Colby, like you said, hasn't fought in forever. He's only, I think there's only like three active fighters still on his like win list since 2016. Yeah. Like that's, it's one of those things where you almost forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I really look at this, I look at, you know, his toughest fights obviously being Kamaru, but then seeing what Leon was able to do to him. And that wasn't even, you know, the first win wasn't like this, oh, we've seen, you know, Kamaru like lose a step. He pulled this off out in the fifth round where he was still there. And I think when you look at Colby having, you know, somebody like Robbie Lawler or even more recently with Masvidal being able to get to the fifth round, We've seen now with Leon, you can't kind of leave that opening because he can do this at any point with what he does. But even the the additions he's made in his wrestling and his jujitsu, and then obviously already being probably one of the more polished strikers in the UFC, 
um, I just have to lean with what Leon's been doing mm. because I think that although Colby does have cardio, cardio doesn't matter when you get kicked in the head. Mm. And I think that's something that, you know, he's going to look to do. But then also, like I said, the improvements that Leon's made on his grappling, if Colby can't get this down, I don't know how much he'll be able to land on Leon because Leon is just that slick of a striker. So I'm going to take Leon Edwards here. I do think Colby's super, super tough. So I think it's going to be a decision. But I think that Leon's going to be able to just stay stand up enough to land points and win the decision yeah this was kind of a tough one for me um i okay so my my brain tells me that leon edwards is going to win this fight mm. I, th I think very much like what john said I, I see i have a tough time seeing colby having a lot of success on the feet um I, I think it's possible i think he had some great moments against usman like he's able to trade shots he has some power he has a chin um it took usman breaking his jaw to get him out of there in their first fight um, but I think the one thing that separates Colby and Usman to me is their wrestling. Like they have very similar wrestling, but I think Colby just seems like he's a bit more of an offensive wrestler. I don't know how else to say that. Um, I, I think he has the ability to really grind out just like Usman did in their first fight with Edwards, which Usman lost, but it, he, he won, you know, 25 minutes of that fight. So I mm. think Colby is very much capable of that as well. And so in order to try to separate myself from you two here, I'm actually going to take Colby. And I think well, it's, How do you know who I'm taking? I'm pretty confident you're taking Edwards. Okay. Go look at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure. Um, I'm going to take Colby, and I, I think it's going to be unanimous decision. I think it's going to look very much like all of Colby's fights. He's just kind of in that top turtle position, referee position, throwing shots, um, clinch takedowns off the cage. Um, but if it's on the feet, I think it's just going to be a dog fight. And Edwards probably has the edge in the dog fight there. So I'm taking Colby. Yeah, you just said something that I think summed up my whole thought on this fight, and I didn't even think about it, is it, it, that you're right. Is My brain is telling me Leon Edwards. My gut's telling me Colby wins. Um, and it's like, which one do you go with? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I said I could do 20 minutes on the Comey. I could probably go 40, about 40 on this. No more, though. Uh, <laughs> Chael Sonnen said, I don't eat, I like chocolate cake. I don't even want to eat chocolate cake for 25 minutes. That's so. true. <laughs> that great Chael Sonnen quote. Uh, but how interesting is this matchup, man? You know, the short version, though, is, and obviously I think it comes down to is can Leon stop Colby's takedowns? And then if he does get taken down, how quickly is he going to be able to get back up? Um, because I'd be very shocked to see Colby win a striking battle with Leon. I just would. And I don't think he's coming out to strike with Leon. I don't. Mm -hmm. Um uh, it also, I think, comes down to how Leon how Leon does manage what I consider to be Colby's best asset, and that is his pace and his cardio. Um, and honestly, I, I favor Leon in both here, man. Uh, one thing Brandon has always mentioned and about Leon, and I agree, is it seems he has a very underrated ground game, and more specifically, bottom game, which he utilized really well in both Usman fights um, to get back up right when he was taken down. And even with the cardio, I think a lot of people kind of look at that first Usman fight as an example of... Leon lacking a bit there, uh, but that fight took place at a very high altitude yeah. in Utah, and he still pulled it off and went all five rounds. You know, DC said he was tired, just commentating. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, but something else I considered here uh, because I did have just such a tough time. Um, and because, you know, like I said, the whole gut and mind thing, I think I just don't want to overthink it. So I am going to go with my mind, which tell my, my brain, which is telling me Leon. Finds a way to win this here. Um, but another thing that I looked at, because like when it does get so close in your head, you have to look at like, you try to nitpick and find these like little things that maybe there's something there, maybe there's not. Um, 
But the one thing that I considered, and I want you guys, you tell me if I'm wrong, if you think I'm way off, or um, or even if you can think of anybody in the example I'm going to get. But I feel like historically, and even more so currently, uh, fighters with Colby's style, um, and what I mean by his style is someone who um, their greatest asset and is their weaponizing almost of pace and pressure don't usually become world champions. Um, and I'm not meaning current champs don't have good cardio by any means because that is a requirement to be a world champion, right? But more so uh, when you think of um, a certain fighter, like think of all the current champions or, you know, guys kind of right there. I mean, I know a couple come to mind off top, but when you think of like a, all the champions right now, um, is there one champion where the first thing you think about is their pace and their cardio and pressuring guys um you know does that kind of make sense mm -hmm. like that's like their greatest asset um you know i know people maybe say like well um uh, i think colby you know his wrestling is his you know greatest asset or whatever but i still think if most people are looking at this fight they're if they're picking colby um it's because they think he's going to outpace leon and mm -hmm. put a pressure on him the but closest you, thing i could think of would be strickland like you could say that he's got yeah, he's got good. the striking to finish up but like his last fight with izzy all he he just stayed at one pace the mm -hmm. entire fight and did not back up once yeah i think it's his yeah i just think it's his striking though more Maybe. so than but his you could pace say the same about colby mm -hmm. sure wrestling, with the wrestling right? I, I would say another one that could have been close before obviously just losing i thought aljo used a lot of his cardio to like pace to work nah, in his you, grappling you, you think of his rest right yeah that's what i'm saying first. that's the closest i could like, think of i'm yeah. saying first like i just feel like i and, and, and i mean i'm even seeing it as everybody's like oh he's gonna gas leon out he's gonna the pressure and stuff's gonna be too much for him and but i feel like that's kind of colby's weaponizing it and it, it he's made he's had great success with it mm -hmm. he is really good at it but i just feel like even historically you just don't see that necessarily working at the highest level because yeah. the first person i thought of when you said that out loud before you said champion was like clay guida or yeah but look at like, right. like somebody like him you know obviously we have like may rob dwalishwili who's right there he's on the cusp let's see how it goes against like a guy like henry cejudo um but even you know um when i think of even more fighters you know who kind of weaponize their pace and cardio they kind of struggle against higher opposition who are more technical and who also have good cardio or the ability to go five rounds. And the first one that comes to my mind is a guy like Hamzat Shemaev. He's this crazy boogeyman. He was for a long time with legit skill and attributes, um, but he was going out and just putting the pace on guys and running through guys. Um, like, it was a huge problem for those lower opposition mm -hmm. and then, you know, that division. Um, but now we're seeing him against much better quality opponents who can also match his output again a bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he's had some struggles, man. He hasn't looked Looked as dominant. Now he's still winning. Still give him the credit there. He's still finding ways to win. Um, but I just think for Colby, we just haven't got a chance to see him do these things against legit welterweight opposition. Well, and when we you know? have, it didn't work. Kamari right. was able to go punch for punch. I have that right know, there, with, with the exception of Usman, yeah. who he came up short against twice in title fights. Um, yeah, the only time he's been successful with it is against opposition like Masvidal, Woodley. Robbie Lawler, you know, and for me, that's just not Danny enough. Maya. Yeah, it's just not enough to pick him here. Um, and that's not to say that I don't think he can or will go out and prove all of us wrong or prove me wrong and get it done doing exactly what's got him here. Um, but yeah, for this and just other factors for me, I just don't, I don't see it, man. Mm -hmm. I just, it's, it's just hard for me to put my faith in that. Um, so I do like Leon. Surprisingly, I actually am going to take him by a unanimous decision. Um, no, so that's what it, I took. Oh, you said decision. Yeah. Dang it. Um, all right, let's go another headshot dead. Let's go fifth round uh, KO TKO. I wonder with Colby too, and I've seen some people talk about it, but it's not been like a big talking mm -hmm. point, but let's go third round. 
There you go. Let's get a little, um, let's get a little pushy. I, I do wonder if maybe the whole Masvidal assault thing might have done something to him because it, it's been a long time since we've seen him, and there hasn't been a real reason why we yeah. haven't. So it'll just be interesting to see how he looks. Yeah, it, I, like I said, man, my gut still tells me Colby. I told you midweek, I was like full blown flipping to Colby. I was mm-hmm. like, I've been Leon this whole time, and now I'm flipping to Colby. And then you start thinking about other things, and I'm like, okay, let's just look at like let's go through the UFC champions, right? And like, what makes these guys like? What do I think? And I'm just like, man, I just other than like the pace and the cardio, I don't know that Colby possesses one skill set that just sets him apart from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, am I kind of making sense yeah. with that? Like, well, and, and it's hard to to th- judge him because what we've seen has been a mixed bag. Like yeah. we're comparing him against guys that have already burnt out or you know aren't at that and, level. And, and then anymore. there's that. It's not like yeah, exactly. Like there's not one moment I can draw to other than the Usman where he's faced relevant you know UFC talent that I can even draw from, and he still just for whatever reason, close or not, wasn't able to pull it out. So it's like it's just hard to go with him in that mm-hmm. in that sense. But not to say he can't. I mean, I, I think he's a great fight. I think this is a very very close fight, and it's it's gonna go. And it I mean, go either way. In a year when Sean O'Malley and Sean Strickland become champion, Colby having adding Colby covering to that just would end yeah. off the year of like champion turnover. Also on this card, boys, in a rate late replacement, Thug Nasty. Bryce Mitchell steps on on short notice to take on Josh Emmett. Emmett was supposed to face Giga Chikadze. However, this past week, uh, Giga revealed he tore his growing. And boy, if you Oof. saw that video, ugh, that mm-hmm. was brutal to watch. And you just got to be a little gutted for a guy like Giga, who's already spent so much time on the sidelines. Um, and was trying to get himself going again. Um, and this was going to be a big fight for him. But credit to Thug Nasty for stepping up on about two weeks' notice. And he's actually favorite right now in the odds to win this fight. Does that surprise you guys a bit? Yeah, a on, bit. Especially on short notice against Josh Emmett, who is coming off back-to-back losses, but to Yair Rodriguez and Ilya Tapodia, um, who I personally see just on a different level than Bryce Mitchell. <laughs> uh, but, man, I was really surprised. I don't know if the odds have shifted. I haven't seen it since the fight was announced. But he opened up. Up as a favorite, I thought that was very yeah. interesting. On ESPN still has it. I wonder if maybe they're saying, you know, last minute wrestling. You think you could, you know, get out a decision type of but thing? Josh Emmett. I mean, I mean, Josh Emmett is a wrestler. He doesn't use it. He's one of those right. re- like a Justin Gaethje like style where he mm-hmm. more likes to bang. So maybe, but man, I just. I mean, I don't know. Bryce Mitchell has the better songs, better, you know, takes for... <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, interesting on the picks. I was going to... I thought we were all going to go the same way because then I'm like, boy, this is this year is going to come down to Vicente Luque and Ian Gary. Um, and I can tell you, um, Ian Gary would not ever be happy with me if he lost that fight. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it would not be a good podcast for Ian Gary come Monday if he lost that fight. Right. Uh, but it also actually really could come down to rounds and... Mm-hmm. Yeah methods and stuff like that but i love that we're all three in it at the at the end you're welcome to you guys because i could have like weeks ago just said you know what no more three rounders we're going to keep it to how we've done it i've tried to keep it interesting had to pull john out of the depths of wherever the hell john was for the last eight months (laughs) but we've pulled him john out he's in it to win it it's all to play for this saturday can't wait ufc 290 we're round away from being tied with me just so you know yeah which fight did it come down yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and that's what made me so mad because he hurt him in the second yeah. and he's like oh whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And then, yeah i know well you know it's funny i hedged my bets a little because um i ended up taking khalil plus 300 or well i didn't take khalil i just did uh no i took khalil 
Wait. On the money line? No, no, I did the fight to go the distance, plus oh, okay. 300. I just had this feeling. I was like, he's going to, Anthony Smith is going to hang in on this one. Mm-hmm. So I actually took it plus 300 to go the distance. I was a little bummed. Yeah, so. last week I hit all five <laughs> fights on the main card on a parlay. Yeah, it wasn't, so. a, it wasn't a great night for me last night. But, uh, let's get into the news. We're going on the news. Mm, we're going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. Well, while we were discussing uh, Saturday night's fights, our, our buddy Jacob sent us a message saying, well, there goes one for the 300 card. Uh, ESPN saying, Marab and Cejudo will be happening at UFC 298 in Anaheim. Oh, I saw they interviewed Marab last night yeah. after, and it seemed, he basically said the Cejudo fight was on, but man, that's yeah. it. Wow. Two eighty or two ninety eight in Anaheim. So I'm mm-hmm. we're really gonna have to like reevaluate then because like what are they gonna do? You for know what I thought as I've been seeing this one person we didn't name who has to always main event right now is like a Bo Nickel who we haven't seen for a while. Jacob actually said mm-hmm. Jacob said he would put uh, Kyle Bahayo and Bo Nickel on Ooh. his UFC yeah. three hundred. So that's obviously the biggest part of the uh, the news. Wow. Um, some other fight announcements. It's UFC. a great fight, by the way. Oh, dude. Yeah. And we knew it had to happen sooner or later. I would have loved to have had that for my three hundred, but it's all good. Um, adding to UFC two ninety nine, Caitlin Chikagian will be facing Macy Barber. Uh, Dan Ige will be facing undefeated Lerone Murphy in February. Alex Perez will be facing Mohamed Makayev in Saudi Arabia in March. And uh, Hanato Moikano will be facing Drew Dober in February. Um, Also in the news, uh, we already talked about Blahovich being injured. Hamzat Shamaya provided an injury update saying that he's going to have surgery in a week or two. And then he'll start recovery telling Dana to make a UFC 300 fight happen. So we'll see what um, stands there. I know we were unsure about how long his table was going to be. This makes sense on why he's not fighting Strickland for the belt. Um, Daniel Rodriguez announcing that USADA's suspension has been lifted due to a tainted supplement. You know, we talked about how it's good for guys to... I mean, it has to feel good to get that win, but I just... Yeah, but I told you guys, I was like, how, like, crazy that you can walk into, like, your local GNC, buy mm-hmm. something off the shelves, and because I'm guessing the company, you know, you bought it from also makes, like, Trenoball or something. I don't know. It can get, like, tainted like mm-hmm. that. Like, that's, that's kind of scary. I mean, even as, like, a, you know, like, I mean, I don't buy a ton of supplements, but even as, like, your average regular person, like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to take that stuff or... You know, say you're even like a competitive weightlifter, um, and you're not in like a dirty division or whatever. Like that's scary, man. Like you can't really even trust the stuff. Well, we've that... seen Yoel Romero make millions off of it. Yeah, you know, suing a company that got him suspended. John Jones. Yeah, Picto. Picto, uh, baby. At PFL at a PFL Europe event, there was an interesting face-off in a ring with the caption "Fight in the Making" <laughs> between Cedric yeah. Dumbay and. Uh, uh, oh, Michael oh, Page. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see if this is just a leverage move by Page to try to get more money in the UFC deal, or is PFL just really upping the ante? Yeah, I just think it's hilarious that PFL put fight in the making on it. Yeah, like, so <laughs> it's like maybe that's them trying to, you know, obviously uh, push for it. But we've also talked about how it felt like the Page signing was like right there. Well, they, I mean, that whole thing leaked. Right. So I don't know if this is, like I said, maybe Page is trying to use some leverage to get a little bit of extra money to get the UFC yeah, to pull the trigger. Because UFC, if you're Dana White, there's no way you can let Michael Page go to PFL for as big as he was for on the Bellator I'll side. I'll say this, though. Um if you're asking me, I think long term, I would love to see MVP in the UFC. But if you're asking me, I could pick one tomorrow: Cedric Dumbé in MVP or MVP in Kevin Holland. I would love to see Cedric Dumbé versus yeah. Michael. That that fight gives me yeah. Let's yeah. go well, all uh, the fields. Yeah. I want that. 
Um, and then, but long term, I think I would much rather see MVP yeah. in the UFC long term. Well, I think if you're MVP too, like you've had your run in Bellator, and it just depends on what you're wanting out yeah. of the last part of your career. Sure. Um, and then, like you had mentioned, there was a, a boxing match in Dubai where they had Connor and Pure so Yon do face off. You see, like Connor like run around the ring and then just like kind of jumped on his back and like. <laughs> well, and then Michael Chandler tweeted out, "Hey, I need a 135er to come stand off yeah, me at a random that. event." Blah blah blah. Piotr just had like no idea what was going. Oh, that was great. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, in some boxing news, Saturday night, Devin Haney defeating Regis Progry, uh, winning every round. This makes Haney a two-division champion, and this is his first fight moving up to lightweight. Haney calling now for super fights against the likes of Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. Okay, is that it? That's it. Brandon, song of the week. Oh, geez, I was not prepared for that. Um... Mm-hmm. Got any more TI? I mean, it's it's been the same order for a, a, I know an it's MLB season. Never, games. never on my mind. Song of the week. I'm gonna Fair go enough. with the Blink 182. I like that. Uh, small things. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. You want to sing the first couple lines of it? No. You ever take your I'm pants not, off and jacket? Listen, I'm not stage trained. Okay, you two are. Well, are you? Let's get into our one for the people. Do you have a one for the people? Uh, kind of, yeah. All right, what you got? So I figured out uh, that the last game I played in that chess tournament was against a 1650 level player, which is what like, is that? like really good. Like that's a really good player, and I drew against him, which was it's, it's kind of like the equivalent of like going out to a jiu-jitsu tournament as a like a four stripe white belt or blue belt and drawing against a brown belt. So you shared your score, which was like you're like a 1,200 or something, 1230 right? 1,230 provisionally, yeah. So what does that mean? Like Get that 30 After boy. a few more games, yeah. they'll have a, a solid rating for me that's not provisional. And so right now they've got me at a 1,230, which is like... What's that mean? So I, I, I use, the again, the jiu-jitsu analogies. From 0 to 1,300 is essentially white belt. 13 to 16 would be uh, like blue. 16 to 19 is uh, purple. 19 to 22 is brown. And then 22 up is black. You are in the trenches. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I, I love it. You're checking yeah. the leaderboards. You're, oh, yeah. You're, yeah. Somehow you did the research and found out what level that guy was. Yep. How you even landed on that? I, how did you land on that? He was a 1600. It shows. It shows. Oh, his okay. Name. You yeah. looked it up. So and he was real worried too after the game. He was like, "What's your ranking?" I said, "I'm not ranked." He was like, "Oh, thank you, because that could destroy my my ranking if I if you're a certain level." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not." Ranked. So does it really matter? I mean, I guess if you're like getting, does he make money? Like, do you think he does it? Like, oh no, he doesn't make money. It's the equivalent of jujitsu belts, man. If you care about your jujitsu belt, your chess elo is just like that. Well, I'm saying you think he's like a competitive, like playing. Like, oh, I looked him up. He's played in a ton of tournaments. But like in jujitsu, like. I mean, everybody wants to win, but it's not like anybody keeps track of their record. Oh, there's people that keep track of their record. Go ask Jacob what his record is. I guarantee you he's got an answer. <laughs> I <laughs> I like, guarantee you, Jacob. Oh, are we talking white, white blue, purple, or brown? Are we yeah. doing yeah. like open weight class? Like, what are we talking here? That is, I, I would even be shocked if Jacob keeps track of his uh, jujitsu record. He might say no now because he heard this, but I guarantee you he knows more than you, <laughs> than you think he does. There's a, I won't say any names, but there's a couple of people at the gym that I wouldn't be shocked if they know their record. I, oh, won't, yeah. I won't say any names, though. Uh, yeah. John, who you ta- or what's your one for the people? So the first thing, I, I have a quote and a question. So I'm going to go with the question first. Real quick, sorry, because I just thought of one more thing before we move on to Brandon. Are you ready for your one-minute uninterrupted uh, stand-up on, at Jiu-Jitsu on Tuesday? Sorry, I might just not come this week. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob will be so mad that you don't get to roast you, dude. <laughs> oh, I love it. Go ahead, John. Um, So my question, I seen this online, I thought it was hilarious. And it was, how many, like, real-life owls would you have to see throughout a day before you start getting a little weirded out and worried? Oh, one. <laughs> so did I ever tell you guys about the time me and Ash were riding on the trails up here north? We were, like, kind of between Kokomo and Peru. Um, yeah, so we were, like... 
I think we were kind of around, um, what's that, like a little small town. I don't know, one of those little small towns between here and there. And we're riding on the thing, and there is an owl, which seeing an owl in daylight's a little, it's weird, because you just don't really see them, and they're right. kind of they're kind of scary looking, to mm-hmm. be honest. This thing jumped off of the tree and, like, literally started, like, flying towards us. I ghosted her so fast, <laughs> and I, like, her bike's, like, just, like, a beach cruiser, no speed. I've got, like, a 10 speed, so I'm, like, zing, zing, and she's, like, screaming, because she thought this thing was, like, right on her heels, and I'm gone, dude. Because those things are, like, dang, dude, we talked about the owl theory yeah, and that yeah. one thing. Like, they're owls mean. are, they're very territorial and very, uh, very mean. You yes. ever seen one's legs, like, seen without the feathers? They can hurt you. No, I don't want anything to do with it, though, but I am so convinced. I don't even about that docu that murder uh, doc- staircase i think i am so convinced that that was an yeah, owl yeah. i am like dead convinced mm-hmm. that an owl killed that lady and i think that stuck with me so yeah i was gone on her that's so hilarious yeah. oh. so probably one for me what would you probably like 10 yeah i feel like i see owls more than more than a, i don't i've that's, never seen I an owl in person first... outside of like a zoo there's yeah. one that hangs out on our fence sometimes i'll see him at night see that See, for me, that was the first one I'd ever seen, ever, yeah. uh, like, in person, like you're saying. They could be kind of yeah. big, too. Yeah, this one was really big. One year, um, or no, not one year, I think it was just this past summer, we were both in the kitchen, and there's, we have, I had never seen one, and everybody's like, they're, they've been here for years, and they're everywhere. Turkey vultures? Mm-hmm. We had one land on our fence, and it, like, audibly drew a scream out of me. Like, I was like, oh! Because <laughs> I'm sitting there, like, just kind of sitting there looking out the window, and it's just like, and I mean, it, they are Big yeah. dude, they are big old and they're ugly. I've seen them like eating like roadkill and yeah, like on the side of the road. Ugly man, Bird, birds are just <laughs> ugh, they're gross and they just kind of freak me out. It's so funny because like the, with the the way the guy was saying it was like you know like for me like I've never seen one so if I seen one it'd probably be like huh. It's a little weird. But if I seen like two or what it basically said is like at what point are you like calling somebody like is there something in the news like is something <laughs> going on like a raven that would change my answer. If you see like like what I mean would you, you say for a raven like two or three you get a little I see nervous. like two I'm like all right what's up here yeah. yeah. That's I don't. Know, I don't know if I've ever seen a raven. We know they're sent. They're like small. Like their symbol is like they're like death and all that. In a lot of different cultures. Oh. Like well, they're like super smart too. Like yeah. I've seen people who will like leave out treats for him, and the ravens will bring back like coins and lighters and stuff. Is that good? Dude, Game of Thrones. They carry yeah. messages. Um, and the second thing was just in case the question didn't go well, which it did. But the second thing I got in the uh, street beefs dark hole on. Um, That's always fun on Instagram. And one of the quotes that one of the fighters said before he got knocked out cold. Was I'm here to put warheads on foreheads. Nice. And he, hand, he put his fists up. That's uh, one of my new favorite ones now. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, one for the people. I don't think I have anything this week, man. Sorry. Boring. Um, <laughs> Get on me about oh, like, song uh, of the week. And- okay. So, yeah. This is this is, this is is what's going on in my life. So, I got diagnosed with gout this week um. <laughs> in my foot. <laughs> um Literally, I ended up, so I, I told both of you guys the story, uh, had to end up going to the ER at like three o'clock in the morning. Well, I got up at three o'clock in the morning, didn't go till about five, but it was because I was in like the craziest, most excruciating pain. I thought I had broken something for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause I told you guys, it was like, it was worse than that first night that I broke my ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> It was just a horrible, horrible pain. But my, it's so weird. Like you're, it's swollen a little bit, but it wasn't really that swollen. Wasn't discolored. It is terrible, man. Um, I don't know if anybody's experienced gout, but it is the worst. Anybody I, like fifty and up listening, dude? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I am just like falling <laughs> apart at the seams. Um, yeah, at your this lower point. body, man. You might I need mean, to get robot legs by dude, twenty. 
Yeah. 30. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, it's just, I don't know what's going on, man. So yeah, that's been, that's been my week, uh, dealing with gout. Mm. <laughs> uh, no big deal. You might need to find like the medical name for it. So you don't got to keep saying gout. Like, yeah. That's what I told Ash. I was like, that just sounds so disgusting. Like, yeah. gout. It's like leprosy. Yeah. You know. So now I have a doctor's appointment this Friday to figure out why I have said gout. Early onset gout. <laughs> yeah, well, I have early onset. So that's been a thing. But yeah, so nothing, nothing fun, dude. It's um, my wife had COVID. It's just been, it's not been a fun week. Really a fun two weeks. Yeah. So I was sick. Now she's sick. I've got gout. You know what will be fun? 5 a.m. hospital visit or ER visits. Yeah. Not fun. You see anything questionable during that? No. You no, say, it was, I was literally the only person in oh, the you hospital. Did, oh, you were talking about the car wreck, but you probably didn't see anybody like coming no, in. No, 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 no. It was, I was the only one there, so that's always nice. So, come back, boys. The last official episode of 2023 next week. We will recap UFC 296 and hit you guys with any updated news right before the end of the year. Um, and then, obviously, after that, it's just our year-end award ceremony episode. Can't wait for that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to get on our uh, picks for that this week, start start trying to weed those out. Uh, so, until then, have a good week. We'll see you guys next Monday. Peace. Peace.